So, I mean, can I take 10,000 bike fixes times 140 bucks? You did about 1.4 million in revenue last month. Uh, we do that's on the consumer side. We do that about 110, 140. And then if we look at these fleets, then of course the per bike revenue is a much lower amount as we're seeing them more often in bigger amounts. You are listening to Conversations with Nathan Latka, where I sit down and interview the top SaaS founders, like Eric Wan from Zoom. If you'd like to subscribe, go to getlatka.com. We've published thousands of these interviews, and if you want to sort through them quickly by revenue or churn, CAC, valuation, or other metrics, the easiest way to do that is to go to getlatka.com and use our filtering tool. It's like a big Excel sheet for all of these podcast interviews. Check it out right now at getlatka.com. Hey folks, my guest today is Antti Kansala. He has over 15 years of experience in startups from engineering to CEO. A father and a keen outdoors person by heart, he's always on a quest to prove the impossible and get shit done quickly. He's now building Yeply, which is bike maintenance in your neighborhood. Antti, you ready to take us to the top? Yes, sir. Now, assume you're using software for this. You're not running around a thousand neighborhoods fixing bikes, are you? Nope, 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 nope. That was like <laughs> way back in 2016 where we started our mission to change an industry. We knew that we had to have a very strong tech backbone to be able mm-hmm. to do this. Uh, so tell me, about the, t- tell me about the marketplace, right? So obviously people understand a homeowner breaks a bike, they need to pay to get their bike fixed. What about the other side? How do you get the bike fixers on the platform? Uh, they're all, we employ them all. So it's all in-house. Uh, it's not your typical platform business. So what we do, we have the platform, but we also, what we want to do is we want to change a complete industry. We want to change the bike industry. We want to create a user experience that's something that they have not experienced ever before. And if we keep it in-house, then we're able to do that change. The minute we let go of that, we let go of the last, the physical aspect of creating that. So how many? Customer how many are in-house? Uh, there's about 70 people, mechanics seven, currently in-house. Seven zero? Yeah. yeah. Just bike fixers or the whole company? Uh, bike fixers, there's about 60 of them. Wow. So okay. All, all companies. Okay. Probably and- somewhere close to 80 at the moment. Got it. So, but 70, okay, 70, 75 on the team total. Um, tell yeah. me more about sort of how you make money. Uh, obviously, again, my bike is broken. Or, and what geographies are you covering? Uh, currently, we're operating in Europe. So, we started off in Finland, which is probably the dumbest place to do bike maintenance, but it's a very good place to pilot stuff. Uh, then, we're operating how, uh, in Germany, having nationwide coverage there, the Netherlands, uh, and then Austria at the moment, looking to open up the UK market still this year. Okay. And how does, I guess, how do the economics work? So how many bike fixes did you do last month? Uh, it's about probably closer to 10,000, I would say last month. So what we operate, we started off as a pure consumer brand, pure consumer uh, company. And then basically we have been adding uh, B2B side to it along the way. So if you look at this Q-commerce where first time in the history of mankind, these vast amounts of e-bikes were used for business critical applications. And then the importance of keeping those bikes running uh, becomes. And then when we look at these bikes, the data that we're able to gather from these bikes that used to be mechanical appliances and then turning into connected electronic devices. So we're seeing a real change in the whole industry 
uh, and what's going to happen. And if we look at it today, your first question was, where do we make money? What's the business there? Currently, it's bikes. We fix bikes. We maintain bikes. We keep those bikes running. That's what so, we Auntie, make before money. we before we talk about the future, let's dive. Yeah. I want to dive deeper on that for a second. So, what's the average bike fix? How much does it cost? We do our average revenue per customer is about 100 euros, 110 euros, depending on the market. Uh, okay, so 140 US dollar, something like that. Yeah, something like that. So, I mean, can I take 10,000 bike fixes times 140 bucks? You did about 1.4 million in revenue last month. Uh, we do that's on the consumer side. We do that about 110, 140. And then if we look at these fleets, then of course the per bike revenue is a much lower amount as we're seeing them more often in bigger amounts. So what's the per bike? Like, I guess what was revenue last month total across 10,000 bike fixes? Uh, that's probably somewhere around three to 400,000 last month. Wow. Okay. And so I guess a big chunk of that goes out to paying these 70 fixers, right? That you have spread out. What yeah. is that? 70%, 80% of the spend? 70%. You're pretty close to the, the cost structure there. Yeah. Interesting. Um, got it. So just to be clear, that's about $280,000 a month paying out salaries to these 70 fixers. And, yeah. and so how do you, I guess, how do you keep I guess just to be clear, when we see like in Austin, Texas, I'll see sometimes trucks driving around and within the flatbed, they have got a hundred scooters back there. And it's like they're charging them or something. Is that you guys in Germany? No. What we okay. do is basically our operational model. It's, it's a bit different. We're operating like a classical ice cream truck. So we go into a neighborhood and then we get people in that neighborhood to come to our truck. And that's where we get the efficiencies, the scalability of the model. Oh, it's a moving thing. It's not a physical yes, store. It's, no, it's not a physical store. It's moving on basically one instance of it is a van. Another instance of it can be a trailer. Then we have these pop-up units. So depending on if we're going to a company to maintain their employee bikes, it might be a different kind of a unit. If we're going to a basement, it's a different kind of a unit. If we're going to a train station, it's a different kind of a unit. Understood. Uh, How many... So do you have to buy all these vans and trucks and flatbeds? They're sitting on your balance sheet as, as assets right now? Uh, they're leased. So not sitting as ah. assets. Leased. Okay. That must be yeah. a very, that must be your second biggest cost per month. Uh, yeah, that's probably the second biggest cost of the month. Uh, the, the actual unit service units. But then if we compare it to a traditional bike shop where you are looking at uh, the, the costs of your uh, venue. Sure, which sure. Is, how many so how many service case. units are you leasing currently? Uh, currently, it's probably somewhere around twenty five um, at the moment. So it's so it's not a one to one. You have seventy employees, but it's not a one to one yeah. ratio. Then no, no, no. Because we, if we look at like when we are fully optimized, we should be having those service units running in three shifts, and then every single shift for one to nine. So it's running basically morning shifts, evening shifts, night shifts, and every single shift can have one to three. Um, Yeplers, as we call them. How do you get coverage across all of Europe with just 25 leased units and 70 full-time employees? For If we look at the, the fleets, uh, we are traveling. So we have our bases in the biggest cities. And then when we have fleet clients in other cities, we're doing traveling. So it's not the most efficient. And that's what we're actually doing now is adding more and more physical presence to new cities, optimizing our operations. Very interesting. And if you're doing yeah. about 400,000 uh, 400, a month today in revenue, what were you doing one year ago? Do you remember? Uh, probably Germany was 50, I would say 100, 150. 
uh, so, something like that. And then what about and what about the year before that in 2020? Probably low, right? No one was traveling because yeah. of COVID. Yeah, yeah, that was a, a, an interesting year for us. 2020. When did so you I launch the say, business? Uh, 2016 in Finland. So it yes. was a lot. A lot of the first years, it was kind of uh, bootstrapping it together, uh, just fine-tuning the concept. Me and Tommy, my co-founder, being there, like having our daily jobs in the evenings, going to the vans and fine-tuning it. Just um, did you guys split equity? It, did you guys split equity fifty-fifty at the start? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nice, nice. And are you still bootstrapped today, or did you raise capital? Uh, we raised capital. Uh, now we got uh, Inventure, uh, the guys behind Walt, for example. Uh, they joined us uh, this uh, February. So how much did you raise? Uh, that was 2.5. And that was your seed? That's your first money in, right? Yeah, that yeah, that's basically our seed round. We debated about like, what do we call that round? But we decided it's a seed round. Many of you guys have used a tool that requires you to upload a CSV file or spreadsheet, and then you get an error, right? You then have to meticulously find blank rows, delete special characters. It's a pain in the butt. Now, your customers run into the same problem when you ask them to upload data to your SaaS platform. You know, they get frustrated, they don't upload. Then you have a ton of empty states in your SaaS UI and the user churns. This is not good. Now, your product is brought to life by this data. You want them to feel this magic as fast as possible. Now, we've tried to solve this at FounderPath by creating downloadable CSV templates and building our own in-house importers and then copying and pasting a long help article to users via email. It just is not fun work. Nobody gets it, nobody wants to do that work. This is where Flatfile comes in. Flatfile is the data onboarding platform built to take the acute pain out of importing customer data into your product. The nice thing is enterprises love this because Flatfile is SOC 2 Type 1 and 2 certified, GDR compliant, super easy to use. So no more emailing files back and forth like CSVs, no more copying and pasting help articles that no one reads, just clean data quickly so you can grow your SaaS company. In fact, ClickUp, Bamboo HR, and HubSpot all use Flatfile. It's one reason they're growing so quickly. Check out Flatfile today at nathanlacka.com forward slash Flatfile. That's nathanlacka.com forward slash Flatfile. Most founders will sell between 15 and 20% of their business in the seed round. Is that about what you sold? That, yeah, that's about right. Yeah. Okay. So that would be like 8.5 or 8 pre-money, 10 post-money, something like that. Yeah, a bit higher, actually. Okay. We did some secondaries there as well. So ah, okay. now they have what about per- like that 15%. What percent of the 2.5 million went out to secondaries? No, that was purely primaries. So then on top of oh. that, there was secondaries. And then after that... They have that percentage of about. 15. Okay, so how how much total did you raise, including one the including money that went the out? secondaries? Uh, three point. It was almost three point five. Um, three point. Okay, so explain it. This is I have to ask this question because it's the number one question yeah. I get. Early stage founders wanting to do secondaries. You're one of the earlier ones I've heard get that done. You did a million dollars of secondary in your seed round at a four point eight million run rate. How did you get that done? Uh, that was basically to clean up our cap table. If we look at it back in 2017, for us to open up our German business to get money for that, we did crowdfunding. And now basically this was one way of giving back to those people uh, that believed in our concept when kind of institutional investors, they they didn't even look at bike industry from that perspective. So mm-hmm. it was- And ha- how, much did you, how much did you raise uh, crowdfunding? Uh, we did one round with 300k, one round with half a mil. 
Okay, so, so about 800K total. Crowdfunding. Yeah, yeah. Across how many investors or or crowdfunding? It's about 300, about 300. Uh, got it. So the million that you got in a secondary really went to buying out those first 300 people. It, not all of them. There was uh, okay. the ones that wanted to sell had the opportunity to sell. So I think okay. about 50, 60 of them. Were you personally and Tommy able to take any money off the table as, as founders or no? No, no. We're putting more money in. Ah, okay. Okay. Interesting. So more commitment. More commitment. Fair enough. Okay. So so you've raised 3.5 recently, 800K previously. So about 4.2 million, 4.3 million total. Yeah. And then there's a couple of angels. There's a half a mil from angels. Um, when was that? 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 that was in 2018 or 19, somewhere along there. Mm-hmm. And and why did you need that capital from them? Uh, this was basically we did uh, the first round. We did to, was to open up our German business uh, back in 2018. Then we did a second round in 2019 to expand in Germany. But basically, the second crowdfunding round it did not go as much into expansion as to kind of surviving through COVID. Uh, and and at the same time, we of course expand a little bit, but the plans were a little bit different than uh, what actually. Happened. We ended up opening up four new cities, but it was a lot slower, a lot yep. more. Now you have four hundred thousand in monthly recurring revenue. Two hundred eighty thousand of that monthly is obviously headcount expense. But let's take out the headcount expense because you could say that's not pure SaaS. It's expensive, low margin. Yeah. Let's just look at your high margin, which is, which is one hundred twenty thousand. That's left one hundred twenty thousand. Obviously, times twelve, you're at about a one point five million run rate, right? You raised it at something like a ten to eleven, twelve x valuation multiple. Why so low? I mean, I see seed rounds in this stage raising at like 40, 50 million valuations. Did your fixed headcount expenses hurt you here? Um, I think it's that can be one thing, kind of like how are we seen? Are we seen as a, uh, a maintenance company or are we a tech company? And I think we landed, if we look at the valuation multiple, it was somewhere in between there, uh, between those two. How many engineers kind of- are on the team? When we raised the uh, round, we had a few and now we're just building if we look at our HQ team, now that's what we're building, pulling in. Uh, How many today, though? How many full-time engineers? Uh, full-time engineers, probably somewhere six, seven at the moment. Six, seven. Okay. Up then. Yeah. Got it. So 70 are bike fixers spread out Europe. Six are engineers. The rest are like admins, growth, marketing, sales. Yeah. Yeah. I see. Okay. So how, how do you, what's the plan? Sorry, how do you scale this? What we do is basically open up, when we open up a new uh, country, we start with our fleet business. So B2B uh, operations, we go basically have a nationwide coverage. If we look at how we open up the Netherlands back in uh, last October, November, uh, we started off with a nationwide coverage. So having few clients, big Q-commerce players whose bike fleets were taking care of nationwide, then building our organization and then opening up our consumer business city by city. So now, for example, in, in the Netherlands, we started the consumer business in Rotterdam now in March, and then looking to open up our next city um, during summer and so forth. Very cool. Well, listen, we're rooting for you. We'll see what happens in the meantime. Now, let's wrap up with the famous five. Number one, last book that you read. Last book that I read. Uh, it was probably, I listened to a book. I listened to books when we drive up north. It was probably one of these uh, Finnish um, investigator stories so nothing related to business something get my mind completely out from it number two is there a founder you're following or studying um i i i really much 
enjoy talks with uh, Felix Kroberg, one of the co-founders of uh, uh, Gorillas, is also on our board and our mentor. So I really... Number three, what's your favorite online tool for building Yeply? My favorite tool, I think uh, my newest favorite is probably Asana that I just got introduced to. Number four, how many hours of sleep do you get every night? Uh, I try to get something between seven and eight. Okay, that's a good auntie. And uh, what's your situation? Married, single kids? Married, three kids. Three Dog. kids. I see two, two of them over your shoulder, right? Yeah, one. Ah, uh, there's the third. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and these pictures are like 10, 12 years old. So now they're already 16, turning 16, wow. turning 14, and, and uh, how, 11 this year. How old are you? I'm 41. 41. Last question. Something you wish you knew when you were 20. Not really. I've been trying to live my life so that I enjoy every single day and I'm still happy living it like that. Worry about the things you can really impact. Guys, there you have it. Yep, we launched back in 2017 in Finland to help fix bikes. bikes. Uh, Now they're doing $400,000 a month in revenue. 280,000 of that goes out to headcount. 70 bike fixers spread all throughout Europe. They lease 20 pieces of movable equipment. Think of it like an ice cream truck going around to cities, talking to working with consumers and businesses to repair and fix their bikes. They did over 10,000 bike fixes last month. Just recently raised 3.5 million seed, selling 15 to 20% of the business there. A million of that was secondaries to early crowdfunding which those crowdfunders put in 800k but now looking to scale into new geographies 80 85 on the team total today we'll see what happens next auntie thanks for taking us to the top thank you nathan it was a pleasure having